Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our New Nature series, which talks about what the fruit of the Spirit should look like in the daily life of the believer. We hope that this message will be a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. So take your Bible and go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5 tonight. Galatians 5, and we're going to uh, get into uh, our message, get in the Word of God. And uh, I don't know about you, but I've enjoyed the series. If you've been a part of this, uh, we're going through and just learning that once we receive the Lord into our life, um, that, of course, as Brother Mike brought out, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17, that old things are passed away, and behold, all things are made new. And we need to understand from the Scripture, uh, a lot of people like to say that when you get saved, uh, that there, there's this uh, big wrestling war going on, you know, and that, uh, that, that, that there's the Spirit and that there's the... Uh, um, They'll, they'll call it the flesh, but actually they refer to it and say, well, it's a sin nature. So you have the spirit and then you have sin nature and there's this battle going on. Uh, but really that's contradictory to what the word of God says uh, because we know that when a person receives Jesus Christ into their life, uh, that once the Holy Spirit moves in, sin nature is dead. That's what the book of Romans teaches. All right, I'm waiting for, waiting for a couple amens on that. Uh, when you get saved, sin nature dies. Is that right? Okay. However, we still live with the flesh. We still live with the remnants of sin nature. It's like the, uh, the old adage of the chicken with the head being cut off. That It's dead, but the body's still running around, or the snake. The, the snake is dead, but that body's still slithering around. And the truth is that when you and I trust the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, that the old, flesh, the old sin nature is dead, but our flesh just doesn't know it yet. And uh, of course, the Bible talks about the process of salvation, that once we get saved, we're saved uh, from, the etern- we, from an eternal uh, uh, damnation in hell, where we have forgiveness completely. That happens at the moment of salvation. But then we begin the process of discipleship, and our salvation will not be complete until we're where? Heaven. It's not going to be complete because then when we're in heaven, all of us will be redeemed. You see, right now, it's just our soul that's been redeemed. But when we get to heaven, it'll be body, soul, and spirit that'll be redeemed, that'll be bought back. And that's when salvation is complete. And so what we've been learning is, okay, if sin nature is gone, then what does the new nature look like? And that's where you go to Galatians chapter 5. We've been learning about these uh, fruit of the Spirit is what they're called. Our last one that we looked at just a couple of weeks ago uh, was the fruit of the Spirit of faith. And we learned this about faith, that living by faith is God speaks and we hear his word. We trust his word and act on it no matter what the circumstances are or what the consequences may be. Faith is simply following God with a uh, complete trust in him. And so we took time to understand that faith is an absolute must. That was the title of the message, faith being an absolute must. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number six, that without faith, it is impossible to please him. Well, tonight we're going to come, we're wrapping up the series. We're actually going to cover two characteristics tonight, two fruit of the Spirit, the two being meekness and temperance. We're going to talk a little bit about meekness, but then spend quite a bit of time on temperance, uh, and then we'll wrap up the series. And so if you would stand with me, Galatians chapter 5 is where we're going to be, Galatians 5, and just going to read our, our two theme verses that we've been in, Galatians chapter 5 
And verse number 22, Galatians 5, 22, it says this. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. We've already learned a lot about those first few fruits, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith. Tonight, we're coming to these two of meekness and temperance. I recognize the hour, recognize that we've already been here uh, for about an hour, and so I'll try not to be too long tonight. But normally, we have five or seven guys that, that preach, and they each go about five or seven or 10 minutes. Two went tonight. So that means I've got an extra 30 minutes. So we might be here for a little bit of time. All right? No, I'm just kidding. We'll be in here. We'll be in, in and out of the passage tonight, and I believe we'll learn some things and I want to talk with you tonight about this idea of meekness and temperance, what they look like, what I believe uh, the Bible shows us examples of these in the, in the Word of God, and then we're going to learn how we can apply that to our life. So let's just go to the Lord in a word of prayer with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Would you just uh, take a moment and just commit the time to the Lord? And I uh, want you to just ask God to speak to your heart tonight, and then make the commitment to the Lord that as He speaks to you, that you're, uh, you're listening to Him and that you'll respond to Him. Lord, we just want to come before you today and we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for how you use it in our life. And Lord, we just want to pray that as we come right now that you would just take it and that you would help us to have a humble heart, that we would want to hear from you. And Lord, that we would leave here tonight strengthened by your word and challenged by your word. And Father, I pray that as we go through the service tonight, that you would just help us, Lord, to, uh, to just respond to you and to hear from you as, as you desire. We love you and thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. <clears throat> so these last two fruit of the Spirit, meekness and temperance, I want us to learn about both of these tonight. The first one is I want us to learn about this, this area of meekness, meekness. I want you to take your Bible, if you would, and go to Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 5. We've been going through the Sermon on the Mount for much of these series and uh, much of the series that we've been in, in Matthew 5 or in Luke chapter number 6. Uh, but when you go to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, of course, um, uh, just kind of give us a little bit of background. When, when Jesus brought all of the, uh, the truths that are given in the Sermon on the Mount, he brings them and really they are something that are just... a. Um, their, their thoughts and all of the statements that Jesus begins to give in the Sermon on the Mount, it's something that is completely far-fetched for the people that are listening that day. Uh, if you remember Jesus, of course, speaking there on the hillside and speaking to the multitude, and as he's speaking to the multitude, you can recall him saying, hey, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, talking about humility. And man, in that, in that culture, they were taught to be boastful. Uh, humble in the Greek language wasn't even there. Uh, a, a Greek word for humility or to have humbleness of heart, that was not even in their vocabulary. And so Jesus comes and he begins teaching something that's completely contradictory to what they've been raised with. If you go and you read those Beatitudes that are given as Jesus is preaching the Beatitudes, every one of those, you can go and study them out, every one of them contradict a teaching that was in the Greek philosophy uh, 
in, the, in that area at the time. And of course, we know that many Hebrews and Jewish people would be learning and listening to him. But we also know that they had to have that Roman influence. And so it was now contradictory to even what they were raised with. And so Jesus comes on the scene and uh, the fruit of the Spirit, all of them listed in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, maybe not directly as love, joy, and peace, or long-suffering, gentleness, or goodness, or faith, but they're all listed in there. And so Jesus begins to teach these principles, this way of living that's very different from what they've heard. And you come to Matthew 5 and verse number 5, and what you read is these words. Jesus says this, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That's not what culture taught. Culture taught something similar to uh, what many scientists teach now. Survival of the fittest, right? Survival of the fittest is something that is taught, and uh, you know, the this, this strong man wins, so to speak. That's what culture would teach. And here comes Jesus. <laughs> and he says, blessed, the word blessed means divine joy, complete heaven-filled happiness. Divine joy belongs to those who are meek, and they shall inherit the earth. Man, that's a contradictory statement to what they thought. But here's Jesus teaching this truth of meekness. Man, those who have divine joy, they live with meekness. What is meekness? Well, if you were to go and define meekness, it would be defined as this, a submissive or teachable spirit toward God that reveals itself in genuine consideration towards others. It is first directed toward God and then toward men. This is a humility toward God shown in my actions towards others. Now, I want you to think about our society. We talked about living in a savage culture this morning. But I want you to think about our culture today. Would you define our culture as a meek culture? No. Would we look at people and say, you know, people live with a sense of meekness about them? I, I doubt that we would. Life in our culture, to most people, is about my rights and my image. Life in our culture is, is very much about self-centeredness and self-assertive, being self-assertive. But Christ comes and he says, the fruit of the Spirit is to be meekness. Meekness, that submissive and teachable spirit toward God and being considerate towards others. Now, many people, and you've heard the phrase, Many people think that meekness is weakness, but the alternate is true, that meekness is not weakness. Instead, meekness is actually strength under control. It is power under the influence of restraint. That's what meekness is. And Jesus Christ was the perfect example of meekness, wasn't he? I love the verses, some of my favorite verses in the book of Matthew, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, where Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Uh, take my, my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. The phrase learn of me, for I am, it means learn of me because I am meek and lowly. Man, having a meek and a humble spirit as Jesus was our example, the perfect example of meekness. He was an all-powerful God humbly taking on the form of a servant so that we might have forgiveness. Complete power restrained in a human body. Some would say that meekness is the strength 
to back away from a fight you could win. Meekness, it is the ability to handle hurt without overreacting. Meekness toward God is that disposition of spirit in which we accept his dealings with us as good and then we don't argue with him. In the Old Testament, the meek are those who were wholly relying on God rather than their own strength to defend them against an injustice. Meekness is the opposite of what our culture teaches, that self-assertiveness and self-interest. Meekness is the opposite. It stems from a trust in God and God's goodness and the fact that God can control the situation and God can avenge me or God can meet this need. God can handle what I cannot. <clears throat> when you think about meekness, as a believer, I think that meekness often is a characteristic that we overlook. I know I'm guilty of it. I know that I joke often about not being sarcastic, and you know that I'm joking because I am very sarcastic. And I, I remember there have been plenty of times been plenty of times where someone will say something to me and I will have a sarcastic comment to them almost to kind of, almost to kind of dig at them. Not, not listen, not to just play, be, be playful and jokey, but to really get under their skin. And especially with my sisters. You, Dad, plug your ears for this. Especially my sisters. You know, there are times that Don or Dina would do something and I would be one, I would be one that I would say, I know exactly what I'm gonna do. And I had the power, even as just a, a, a boy, eight, nine, 10 years old, I had the power to put my sisters in their place. And I would, very quickly, just rattle off that comeback and almost put my sisters into tears just because of being sarcastic and rude. Power, right, verbal power with no restraint. But here's what meekness would do. I have the power. I, have, I could get even with you, but I'm not going to. You did me wrong. I have the power to make it worse on you, but I'm not going to. Do you remember us talking about gentleness and goodness a few weeks ago? Can you see how meekness is almost kind of a, 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 it's almost part of that gentleness? They all kind of really go together. It's interesting when you do the study and you begin looking at all of these characteristics that they really do all just kind of flow in and out of each other, that uh, love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance, they all are, are a part of each other. And here's what Jesus is coming and saying, hey, listen, you don't just get one at a time. You get all of it in the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's a characteristic that accompanies the Holy Spirit that lives in you. Man, the ability, I love the meekness, the ability to handle hurt without overreacting. It's the strength to back away from a fight that you could win. I want to give you very quickly just some benefits the Bible gives us to meekness. Benefits in the Word of God that we find of meekness. Number one, I want you to know that meekness can open up doors to lead people to Christ. Here's what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.25. In meekness, 
instructing those that oppose themselves if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. You know what meekness can do? Meekness can open up the door for you to tell someone about Jesus. Here's what I mean. Uh, many believers, we, we have a lot of believers that can be very confident soul winners. Uh, you can go out and tell someone about Jesus and can be very confident about it. And you know what I've seen myself doing at times is I'll be out and someone will have some sort of an argumentative spirit with Dan. They'll have an argumentative spirit with me and they'll say an argument that I know is fallacy, that I know is a lie, and I know I could just, man, I let them have it. I biblically, I just let them have it, just hammer it to them, you know, and I remember being in college and being kind of arrogant about that, and someone would give you an argument, well, the Bible says this, this, and this, and science does this, this, and this, and it kind of just, it deflates everything, right? Man, but if I approach that same conversation with meekness, you know what it could do? It could turn someone who would just go like, I don't want what you have because you were a jerk to me, it could turn them to say, I want what you have because you were right, but you were gracious. You had the power, to, you had the power just to really run me over, but you were gracious with me and you gave me an answer with love and grace. What is that? That's meekness. Meekness, it, it helps you. It helps you and I. Uh, perhaps it opens the doors to win the lost. I want you to also see that meekness, it helps with a proper response to others. The Bible says in Titus 3, 2, speak evil of no man and be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Man, really meekness, a benefit of it. It just gives me a proper response to people. I don't always have to get right and get even. I can respond with meekness. Think about James 3.13 tells us that meekness shows wisdom. James 3.13, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you, let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Man, meekness, when I approach conversations, when I respond to my spouse, when I respond to my kids with meekness, it shows wisdom. There was a missionary to Jamaica years ago that uh, he was questioning some of the little boys that he was teaching about the meaning of Matthew 5.5. 5. And so he asked the question of the verse we just looked at. He said, uh, boys, I want to ask you, who are the meek? And one little child answered. He said, well, teacher, I think the meek are those who give soft answers to rough questions. Soft answers to rough questions. Let me give you a Bible principle, Proverbs 15, 1. A soft answer turneth away wrath. What is that soft answer? It's that meek answer. I have the power. I have the power to get even with that coworker. I have the power to put my spouse in their place. But meekness is what the Lord says. Man, to have that spirit of meekness. I see Jesus coming and he teaches them about meekness. We see that in the Sermon on the Mount. We see it taught here in Galatians 5, having that submissive or teachable spirit toward God that reveals itself in genuine consideration of others. But then I want you to notice, secondly with me tonight, this attribute or characteristic or fruit of temperance. Temperance. Years ago, Stanford University conducted a study they got a number of preschoolers, three, four, and five-year-olds, I believe, and they got a number of them inside of a room, and they laid out in front of each one of these boys and girls one marshmallow. 
Maybe you've heard the illustration and the scenario before, but they laid out in front of them one marshmallow. And the adult that was in the room said, boys and girls, you can eat one marshmallow right now, or if you wait till I get back in the room, you'll get a reward. The teacher hadn't even left the room, and many of those kids had consumed their marshmallow just right away. Many of us adults would have done the same thing. As they studied from outside of the room looking in, they began to watch some of those boys and girls that were waiting. A few of them, they looked at the marshmallow and tried to occupy themselves for 30 seconds and they failed and popped that marshmallow in. There's a handful of them that were left and that handful of three, four, and five-year-olds began to do whatever they could to ignore the marshmallow's presence. After about four minutes, only four minutes, four or five minutes, that adult came back in. And the reward was if you didn't eat your marshmallow, you got two marshmallows. That was the reward. <coughs> Excuse me. What made the study interesting was the follow-up study they did when those same preschoolers got into their 20s. What they did is they drew from those same preschoolers that got in their 20s, they brought them all back in and they did a research study, a questionnaire on them. And they found out that the same students, the same students that very quickly ate their marshmallow, those were the same students that in their 20s were very quickly gratifying any want. Many of them were, were in debt because I want it, I buy it. Many of them were going from relationship to relationship, even in their 20s. But the contrary was true to those few that waited. Even at a young age, that temperance had developed, that self-control had developed in them so much to the point that as adults, they were the ones that were holding down some steady jobs, not going from relationship to relationship, not going from uh, whim to whim. And they took that and put all of that to paper to show you that temperance, self-control, really it's an ability that everybody has. So I want to ask you a question. I want to present something to you tonight. Temperance. Many would say that it is self-control. Okay. Do you believe that God instills in every single person some form of self-control, even if you're not saved? Yeah, it's called your conscience. The Bible talks about it in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3. It talks about the conscience of man. So... If you go to the fruit of the Spirit in this passage, the fruit of the Spirit of temperance, do we believe that the correct definition would be self-control? I would say no. Do I think that's inferred? Yes. But do I think that that's the entirety of the context of temperance? No. Here's why. Why would Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, be writing to saved people 
The product of being saved is self-control. I don't believe that he would be writing that. So I want you to see with me just for the next few moments what temperance really is. We can't get into all of the word studies, but the word temperance, if you look up all the definitions of the Greek words that make up temperance, here is the definition you would come up with. A fixed position of force or strength against one's self. A fixed position of force or strength against one's self. So what we need to see as believers tonight is that temperance is not simply self-control, but I believe that the Bible definition of temperance in context would be spirit control. Look at the definition again. We just saw it. A fixed position of force or strength against one's self. I had verses, I took them all out of the message just because I didn't want it to be super long tonight. But let me just give you a very quick thought. Uh, Do you, uh, stay with me. Do you believe that you in and of yourself, humanly speaking, do you believe that you can stop you from sinning? Okay, the answer is no, you can't. Okay, Romans chapter seven. Here, let's just uh, give some uh, thoughts real quick. Um, Romans chapter seven, uh, Paul says, hey, the things that I wanna do, I don't do. The things I don't wanna do, I, I end up doing. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank Christ Jesus and our Lord that he, he's the one who brings deliverance. So Paul says, hey, I cannot in and of myself, I cannot be the force or strength against my own flesh. I can't do it. Uh, Jeremiah said that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can even know it? Uh, you can go, uh, James said, hey, your tongue, listen, your tongue, it's a, it may be small, but oh, behold, the fire it kindleth. And think about the tongue and, and the fact that your tongue, you really sometimes, you, are you ever like me where you're like, oh, I wish I could get those words back. You kind of you speak before you think. My mom called all the time. Say, son, would you just think before you speak? Quit speaking before you think. And that's what I would do all the time. You know what? We, we cannot be that force or that strength that's standing against ourselves. Now, could we every now and then make a right choice? Well, yes. There are moral unsaved people all over the world. But we in and of ourselves, we do not have the strength to stand opposing that which comes as a result of living in this flesh. So who needs to do that? The Holy Spirit of God. Man, Holy Spirit conviction is that. Carlos, come here real quick. Hurry, 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 man. Thank you. Uh, that Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit says, no, don't do this. And, and our flesh is saying, no, we want to go this way. The Holy Spirit's saying, no, you are, Carlos, you don't need to do that. No, you don't need to talk like that. You don't need to act like that. No, you, and the Holy Spirit is that force or that strength that is standing against oneself. And we, it's not this whole thing about, well, there's a white dog and a black dog in you and whichever one you feed more is the one. No, listen, it's a matter of living with temperance. Temperance says, 
says, Lord, I cannot control me, so I surrender everything to you. And so then the Holy Spirit steps in and says, I become the force that stands against you. I protect you from you. Because you know who your worst enemy is outside of Satan? You. You know who my worst enemy is? Not you, me. It's not you, Craig. It's me. You said you. It's me. But it's not you. It's me. You know what? The, the, the word of God. Thanks, Carlos. Good job. You do such a good job standing there. Are you been working out? Yeah. All right. Man, temperance, it's, it's this idea of saying, you know what? I'm going to surrender my control of my life, and I'm going to have spirit-controlled life. And uh, temperance in the life of a Christian, it's going to be a controlled, spirit-controlled response in everything I do. Uh, one man defined it saying that temperance is a spirit-controlled discipline. It's living a disciplined life according to the Holy Spirit. I want you to see very quickly with me uh, three disciplines that I believe will be uh, 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 apparent in the life of someone who is living under spirit control. Number one, someone living under spirit control is going to have a disciplined physical life. It's going to be there. I mentioned this on, Sunday, on Thursday night. We don't like talking about this. We don't like talking about the fact that you and I in Romans chapter 6 should keep our flesh under subjection. That means... I don't just eat everything. It means I don't just, forgive me, I don't need all the Reese's Pieces in the world. I want to, but I don't. It means I don't just stay up all of the time watching movies and going through and living entertainment out. I want to, but I don't. It means I don't just consume all of, all of the, the, the sweet tea and, and, and soda and, and sweet coffees that I can. I, I want to, but I don't. What is that? That's submitting my flesh to the Holy Spirit of God. It's saying my flesh wants this and is a Reese's wrong every now and then? No. Is a soda wrong every now and then? It's disgusting, but is it wrong? No. Uh, is sweet tea? Uh, good night, I love sweet tea. Is it wrong? No. But listen, when I just give in and give in and give in and give in and give in, and I'm not 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, taking care of the temple, listen, that's sin. I'm sinning against God because I'm not taking care. I'm not living under a spirit-controlled, I'm not living under a spirit-controlled uh, presence in my life. And there's a lot of Christians. There's a lot of Christians that we don't like that. I'm one of them. Chocolate, peanut butter, anything. I want to eat it. I, was, I love it. My, my wife jokes about it, but I love it. I love that and chocolate chip cookies. You put chocolate chip cookies and chocolate peanut butter in front of me. John Bartowski made these brownies last Sunday night for our Christmas party. How many of you had John, Bar, John B's brownies? Listen, they're amazing. You pray for them. They're out of town today. But John, John's amazing. His brownies are amazing. You know what he did on mine? He spread peanut butter on the top of them, Mary. 
And he put out in front of me two brownies. And I thought, man, I don't need to eat two brownies. I've already had like seven cookies. But Beth really helped me out with last Sunday. You know what she said? Last Sunday and the Sunday before, Beth says, Pastor, it's okay. These are the two Sundays that we can eat all the sweets we want because it's for church. It's for the Lord. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm joking a little bit with this, but man, in all honesty, be honest, our flesh has some appetites sometimes, not for just food and sweets, but our flesh has some carnal appetites sometimes that we gratify too much. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with being one of those people that just stays up all of the time. You know, I just, oh, I go on two hours of sleep, three hours of sleep, that's all I do. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with doing that every now and then. But if we were to be honest, that's not the way God designed us. He designed your body to need rest. At the same time, I could be one of those people that just sleeps like 12 hours every day. Just go to bed at six and wake up at six. Go to bed at eight, wake up at eight. Go to bed at 11, wake up at 11. Go to bed at one, wake up at one. I could do that. I enjoy, I, I will be the first to tell you. My wife would probably be the second. I enjoy my days off because on my days off, you know what I do Monday, every Monday morning? I sleep in. Man, I love it. I love sleeping in. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with doing it every now and then. But listen, when slothfulness and laziness controls me and all I do is sleep and relax, is, is that what God intended for us? No. Man, it's quiet in here now. I'm, I'll tell you, I'm sorry. It's hard. But it's so true and it's so needed. Man, if I'm gonna live spirit control, I'm gonna live a disciplined physical life. I'm putting my flesh in submission. I'm not gonna just eat what I want when I want. I'm not gonna just do what I live how I wanna live. No, I'm going to put my flesh in submission. The Bible says in Romans 12, one, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable in the God, which is your reasonable service. Man, this is a discipline of allowing the Holy Spirit of God, I love this quote. This is the discipline to give God complete reign over my physical life. That's what it looks like, temperance, spirit-controlled. I see tonight that a believer who's living a spirit-controlled life is gonna have a disciplined physical life. Secondly, we're gonna have a disciplined speech. Gonna have a disciplined speech. The verse is this, Ephesians chapter four and verse number 29 let no corrupt communication proceed out of thy mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. I've had to really work on this one, and I'm constantly working on it. Because of that sarcasm that's often in me, man, I've got to make sure that I control my speech. You know what God did to help me with all of this? Number one, he gave me a wife that isn't very sarcastic and who often, when we were early married, 
she'd say, babe, that, that could really hurt someone's feelings. Number two, God gave me children who can be sarcastic. And I'm experiencing that more. And then number three, you know what else God did? Is he brought me a staff. And now with Robert and Beth and Micah and Rebecca, I have to learn all of the time to control my mouth. Not because I fly off the handle and curse at them. That's only happened once. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It hasn't. It hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. That was Micah. <clears throat> you take care of him, Leo. Uh, I'm kidding. It hasn't. That, that hasn't happened. But you know what? Because of that sarcasm, sometimes we can, we can dig at each other. And we, and we know we're, we're kidding. But there's been times where I've had to go to Robert or, or Micah and say, hey, listen, and I, I think I went a little too far in my sarcasm. Would you forgive me? I'm sorry. You know what happened in that moment? Man, in, in the moment that you just kind of fly off the handle, you know what happened is you weren't being spirit controlled. You can ask, you can ask Dan about growing up. There's probably, probably a dozen times in like our first year, like we were two years old, and I'd probably fly off the cuff. Man, there's been times, isn't there times with your friends or times with your spouse that you say something and you can't get it back? Temperance, spirit-controlled, says, God, I want you to be with every word I say. God, I want you to be the guide of my conversations. You know what happens when, when we do that? Man, we become one of these believers that God's saying, okay, I can work with this. Man, we're submitting our speech to him, submitting our physical life to him. Can I talk to you parents for a second? Parents, you need to understand words are powerful in the lives of your kids. And when you respond in anger or when you respond with degrading words or your listen, parents, even your, your tone is harsh and unkind, that's not practicing temperance. In the workplace, adult, listen, in the workplace with your coworkers, if I'm always just short and always just, hey, and just man, uh, snippy at people, man, that's not responding with temperance. Our spouse... Man, our parents. I wonder what would happen if we could take this idea of being spirit-controlled, temperate, and apply it into our relationships. One man said this, those bearing the fruit of temperance will know what to say and what to refrain from saying. Man, that's what temperance brings. It brings a tempered speech, a disciplined speech. You see this idea of temperance having discipline in our physical life, our speech, but then also it'll bring to us a disciplined mind. Temperance will bring a disciplined mind. Here's a great verse, and we'll be done as soon as we finish this thought. 2 Corinthians chapter five, or 10 and verse number 5, casting down every imagination and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Biblical temperance is gonna be manifested through thoughts that are controlled by the Holy Spirit. The word imaginations, it means a reckoning or a reasoning or a judgment. When you read the verse, the, the Bible says right here, the word of God says that we need to cast down anything that would lift itself against God, against the knowledge of God. So anything that tells me something that opposes 
the truth of the word of God, I need to cast it out. This is casting out thoughts that are contrary to what God would want us to think. Casting out thoughts like pride or like anger. Casting out anxiety. Casting out depression. Casting out worry. Casting out lust. Casting out bitterness. Taking these things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God and casting them out of my life. And when I am practicing temperance or allowing the Holy Spirit of God to do these things, then I'm going to be allowing the Spirit of God to control my thinking. And what that's going to do is literally transform the way I think and the way I look at things and the way I learn about things when we begin to let his mind become our mind. I want you to know that as I look at, <coughs> excuse me, at this attribute of temperance, I, I kind of look at all of the attributes the same. Think about this and we'll be done with this thought. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Man, we looked at that being a, an unselfish love, just like the love of Jesus. It's joy. Man, having joy that's not affected by circumstances, but joy that is truly simply because of Christ. Peace. Having peace through trials, having peace through turmoil, having peace through testing. Long-suffering, macrothumia, remember that word? Man, macrothumia, what a, what a powerful word. Being long-suffering, not just patient, but continuing to endure even though mistreatment continues to take place. Gentleness, what is gentleness? Man, the gentleness is responding with gentleness. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. Man, goodness, it's having that kind spirit. It's going the extra mile. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Believing and trusting in God when all hope seems lost. Meekness. Man, the spirit that says, I have the power to get even, but I'm not gonna do it. Question, <clears throat> that's just eight of the nine. How possible are those? I mean, could you just wake up tomorrow and be like, all right, I'm doing it. Today, I'm gonna live it. Today, I'm gonna live with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. I'm gonna do it. Can you motivate yourself? You, in and of yourself, do you and I have the power to do it? No. That's where I believe we need to understand. I think probably the most important fruit of the Spirit is this last one of temperance. Why? Because if I am spirit-controlled, you know what's gonna be evident in my life? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, and meekness. You say, Pastor, where do you get that? Go back just a few verses to Galatians 5. And verse 16. Notice this, Galatians 5, 16. Here's what Paul says. Oh, I missed it. This I say then, watch it. Walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Hey, be temperate. Be spirit controlled. When I live spirit controlled, you know what happens? I'm not gonna be controlled by the flesh. Why? Because the two can't coexist. 
So I want to ask you a question. This morning, we looked at the end of 2019. Man, we talked about continuing. Continue thou in the things with thou hast heard of me among, uh, um, um, no, continue thou. You, you remember the message, huh? I'll re-preach it. I'm getting two verses mixed up. Man, continue in what you've learned and been assured of. That's what it is. Continue in what you've learned and been assured of. Well, what is that? That's the word of God. And so this morning, we were challenged. Let's make the decision that in the new year, I'm gonna continue in the word. Man, I'm not gonna slow down. I'm not gonna step back. I'm gonna continue in the word. But this, this evening, I wanna challenge you with this. Continue with the spirit. Man, let's go into the new year saying, God, I want love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, and meekness in my life, but it is not gonna happen unless I have temperance. Spirit control. And what relationship could you save if you were spirit-controlled? And what friendship could you affect if you were spirit-controlled? What coworker could you lead to Christ if you were spirit-controlled? What child could you see turn their life back to God because you were spirit-controlled? What church friendship could be restored because of spirit-control? What guest could be encouraged because of spirit-control? What fellowship could be strengthened because of spirit control? What in your physical life could change? What in your health could change because of spirit control? I hope tonight that we would just make this decision. Lord, in 2019, I'm gonna be spirit-filled. So here's my question for you. Will you be a spirit-filled Christian? Walking with the spirit of God, moment, making a moment-by-moment decision. God, I need your help. God, I need your presence. God, I need your response. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed. And let's make this decision tonight to be spirit-filled. As Miss Rebecca comes, as God's spoken to us, I'm gonna pray and then I wanna encourage you if God's spoken to you tonight to respond to him. Lord, thank you for the day. Thank you for your word. I pray that you'd help us tonight to respond by just making this decision to be spirit-filled. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.